We got an imbalance. I'm leaning this way. Everybody's on this side. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Leaning that way. Um, we're going to have an abbreviated uh, message this morning. I hope it's abbreviated. And uh, to get on to uh, the Sunday School Picnic. Looking forward to that. A lot of work's gone into it and a lot of planning. And we'll, we'll look to the Lord for, for a real blessing on that. <clears throat> what I want to go over this morning is, is a subject that I think just about everybody here is familiar with, but it's something that is incredibly needed in each one of our lives, and we need to get very serious about it. I need to get very serious about it, and that's the topic of prayer. And this couple weeks ago, uh, when I went back east with my brother uh, to deliver some items, uh, we went, drove through the Ozarks. It was kind of cool. I'd never been in the Ozarks before. And uh, going to Turkey Hill Ranch <clears throat> Bible Camp and uh, to deliver some things to um, uh, Larry Price. He was setting up the tabernacle, uh, and he had seen some of the things that I had done, modified his design and he wanted those in his tabernacle so we delivered those and it worked out really well for him but as we were driving through um, I might have mentioned I mentioned this I think Wednesday night one of the things uh, that I like to do when I'm in an area that I'm not familiar with is to look at the marquees at different churches it's always interesting some of the sayings that they have on their marquee and the one saying that really got to me was this. It says, this church is prayer-conditioned. You know, I thought, that is pretty cool. You know, you think air-conditioned. And the reason why I thought about it is because, what, two Wednesday nights ago, we had no air conditioning in here, so it kind of related. But this church is prayer-conditioned. And you know what? I had to think of our church. And I had to think of my own heart. Is this church, can we say the same thing about Claremont Bible Chapel? That this church is prayer conditioned. Prayer is absolutely vital in our lives. The first thing that happens in our lives in, our, in, in establishing the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is prayer. We come to him and we admit to him that we're sinners, that I'm a sinner. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it doesn't take much to realize that. We all, we're all sinners. We're, none of us are perfect. And yet we know that God will only allow people into heaven who are perfect as he is. But that leaves us all out. None of us qualify, except for the one thing, that knowing that we're sinners and knowing that we have to be as perfect as he is to get into his heaven, he sent his son to come down to this earth and to give his life 
on Calvary's cross, and when he shed his blood, that paid for every single sin that has ever been committed or ever will be committed. And not only that, Christ died for our sin nature. You see, we are going to have that nature until the, the moment we die. And that was taken care of at the cross also. And so some people say, well, if that's the case, then we're all going to heaven. No. There has to come a time in each and, one, and every one of our lives where we admit to God that we're a sinner and that his son paid the penalty for our sins, which is death, and that we put our faith and trust in his death to save us from our sins. And the Bible promises us eternal life. And then we start our life of prayer. And I've got, again, I'm, th this is not exhaustive in any sense of the word, but I just want to go over a couple uh, thoughts on prayer. <clears throat> the reason why when I <clears throat> saw this marquee, our, our church is prayer conditioned, um, I had to look back at my time here at Claremont. And for many, many years, I was involved in, as you know, in Boys Brigade. And I came to the realization that I had really missed out. Because, see, I got to the point where I thought, listen, I've done this year and year and year over and over again. I've got it all dialed in. I've got all the leaders in, in line. I've got everything all arranged. Why do I need to pray? I mean, the program will, you know, show its own success. That was wrong. That was absolutely wrong. And we're thinking about this coming fall with not only Boys Brigade, but we've got TNT, we've got Sunday School, we've got uh, Saturday Night Out Outreach. We've got all these different um, ministries. And if we think for even one moment that we can just put it in cruise control and show up, we are sadly mistaken. God answers our prayers. And so, number one, what is prayer? It's a direct conversation with God based on the revelation of himself in Scripture. That's why we pray. Because, see, if I've got everything taken care of myself, why would I need to pray? Right? There's no need to pray. There's no need to ask for God's help. But that's what prayer is. It's asking God for his help and his blessing. Number two, number one is a direct conversation with God based on the revelation of himself in scripture. Number two is the lifting up of the soul to God. We read about that in Psalms 25 verse 1. Lifting up of the soul to God. The third thing about prayer is a crying out with deep feeling. Let's take a look at Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5, and we'll just read two verses. Starting with verse 1, 
Psalm 5, verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee, what? Will I pray? You've got to pray. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Let's take a look at that real quick. Luke. <clears throat> Luke 18. And this is Jesus. And Jesus spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint or give up. So every one of us this morning, we have a decision to make. We can either pray or we could give up. There's no in between. You either pray or you give up. That's what the Lord Jesus said. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Cameron Thompson quote, is quoted as saying, prayer is the spreading out of our helplessness and that of others in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ before the loving eyes of a father who knows and understands and cares and answers. Prayer is the breathing and panting of the spirit after God. It is a taking hold of the willingness of God rather than overcoming his reluctance. That really is important to me. Prayer is taking hold of the willingness of God rather than overcoming his reluctance. Number five, prayer has been called the keys, the key that unlocks God's treasure house. It's an activity of genuine faith. <clears throat> the reason is, is because if I have faith in myself, I don't need to pray. If I think I can earn my own salvation, I don't need to pray. I'll just do what I think I need to do in order to get to heaven. But that's not what God says. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you want to be saved this morning from the consequences of your sin? I do. But see, I made that choice when I was seven years old. I realized at seven years old that I was lost and that I was on my way to a lost eternity. And he said, come on, seven years old, what have you done wrong? You know, steal a cookie here or there? <laughs> no, the Lord spoke to my heart and told me exactly what my condition was. And that if, if I were to die or my parents would die, I'd never see him again. I didn't want that. I didn't want that. And so that's why I, through prayer and by faith, I ask Jesus Christ to save me from my sin. I pray if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't done that, 
that you will do that. And so, what is prayer not? It's not a matter of acquainting God with our needs. He already knows them before we ask. <clears throat> when I was up at camp, or excuse me, when Ben Eiler was the manager up at camp, uh, then with uh, Francis, they had a phone, their phone there in their uh, house had this verse on it. And it says this, Isaiah 65, verse 24. It was right on the, the receiver. It said, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Uh, that's pretty cool to be on a phone. Before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. And that's what the Lord's telling us this morning. You want to get saved? The Lord already wants to save you. He's ready. He's done everything that can possibly be done to save you from your sin. He just wants you to call on him. And what about things in your life, cares and, and concerns and that sort of thing? Number two, it's not just asking. What conversation or fellowship could be devoted totally to asking? So think about this. If, if I came to you and the only time, the only thing that I was talking to you about was I was always asking you stuff. That's not really a conversation. So what are the major aspects of prayer? I've listed five. Number one, let's turn to Psalm 100, Psalm 100, and Psalm 100, and verse 4. The first major aspect of prayer is adoration that I've listed. Number uh, verse, uh, verse 4 of Psalm chapter 100, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I've been meeting with Andrew Guerra. We've been going through um, a discipleship booklet, really, really good, by uh, uh, Gene Gibson and, and Bill McDonald. And the I'm gleaning some of these things about prayer from that, that book. It's really, really good. Basic Christian training, I think it's uh, called. And the first thing, it talks about prayer, and that is, is adoration. We come into his presence. A lot of times we say, oh, Lord, can you give me this, this? <laughs> you know, we're always asking. No. He wants us to come into his presence with praise and with thanksgiving. Are, are we a thankful people? I am. When, when I look, the opportunity I had of going to uh, back east, uh, I went to Doug's church, Northwest, and I've heard all kinds of things about that church and how they're just growing like crazy. And so I'm always interested, what's the key to them growing? And I found out. It was Wednesday night. Prayer meeting. 
The place was packed. You could hardly find a seat. That's the key. A couple years before that, I was in Florida, and my cousins go to a church called Boulevard down in Hollywood, near Hollywood, Florida, and the same reputation that they have, and the place is just exploding. They are just busting at the seams. And I was there Wednesday night. Couldn't find a seat. The place was packed. And they're lifting up their voices to the Lord, thanking him and praising him. No wonder. You know, in the early church, we read about that in, the, uh, in Acts. When everybody came together and prayed, what happened to the building? It shook. And I'm thinking, who shook the building? You ever think about that? Or everybody says, oh, it's got to be God. Not necessarily. Let me throw you another idea. What happens if we uh, all of a sudden have an earthquake? Do you want to stick around here? What do you want to do? You want to get out of the church. You want to get out of the building. It's a thought. It could have been the Lord, but it could have been Satan saying, I don't want anybody in here praying. Don't hold me to that. <laughs> but it was just a thought. You know, but the place did shake because everybody was in accordance. And um, uh, was it last Wednesday or the Wednesday before? Uh, Marco here uh, shared with us J. Vernon McGee through the Bible. You hear him on the radio, Church of the Open Door in, in L.A. And the reason why they were experiencing tremendous growth. People were getting saved all the time. And they were growing. And what was the key? Their prayer meeting was attended by a thousand people. Can you imagine a prayer meeting where there's a thousand people? No wonder they were seeing God's blessing. So the first thing we have here is adoration. Mary, Jesus' mother, sang, My soul doth magnify the Lord. I do magnify, me. to magnify means to um, make something large, so uh, to speak proudly about. We need to study the attributes of God in order to give substance to our praise. Remember, you need to understand who God is in order to correctly praise him. The next one is thanksgiving. The, com the companionship to praise and adoration it's the companionship to praise and adoration. When we enter into the presence of the Lord with thanksgiving, we just read that in Psalm 100, verse 4. We should review our many blessings when we come before the Lord and name them one by one. You ever hear that song? Count your blessings, name them one by one. That's not just a song, that's a reality. When we come together and we lift our hearts in praise and adoration to the Lord in thanksgiving, do we have a list of the things that we can thank the Lord for? I, I can think of the Lord. I mean, I'm driving, I'm driving down the road, and I thought, just out of the, you know, just out, I thought, Lord, 
thank you for this van. Thank you for it. It's been used, hopefully, in his service. And I pull up to the house, and I look at the house just for a second. I said, Lord, thank you for this house. It's your house, yes, but thank you for it. Are we a people of thanksgiving? Number three. Oh, thanksgiving. Let me, let me continue here. There are physical um, blessings of health that we can thank him for, our daily necessities, and spiritual blessings in the Lord and the fellowship of his people. Do you give thanks for your food? Or you say, hey, I'm the one that prepared it. I'm the one that go out and bought it and all that sort of thing. Why do I need to thank the Lord for it? We need to thank the Lord for everything, for our very breath, our ability to even have thought processes. Have you thanked the Lord for that? We need to be a people that are thankful. Don't take for granted. Don't think for one moment that everything that we have is because of stuff that we've done. Because God can change your mind real quickly when he takes away those abilities. And then, do we thank the Lord for the fellowship of his people? When's the last time you thanked the Lord for Claremont? And, and the unity that we've experienced for the last couple of years, the growth. We've seen people getting saved up at camp this summer. We've seen people coming to know the Lord as their Savior. Young people that go to this church. Do we thank the Lord for that? We should be a people that are thankful. And then number three, confession. Confession is a part of, of prayer. Remember, God is holy, and whatever defiles our thoughts or actions is a hindrance to fellowship and especially to our prayers. If I regard, Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you're living a life that is not pleasing to the Lord, you need to confess that. You need to bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, I've done this. I'm, I know it's wrong. Forgive me. And the Lord will. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. That was written to Christians. So do Christians need to confess? Absolutely. When the Holy Spirit that's in the, in the life of every believer, when, they, when the Holy Spirit makes you aware of a sin in your life, immediately you're to confess it and keep short accounts with the Lord. How about confession? Do we harbor bitterness in our hearts towards another believer? Well, that's a hard one, isn't it? Is there, is there a, just a bitterness in your heart or, towards another believer that you need to confess? Confess it to that person first and then confess it to the Lord and make it right. Because the Lord said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. That context is according to co of, of reconciliation. And the Lord says, oh, you want to get back together? I'll be there because I like that. 
Psalm 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. We must be honest with God when we fail to do what we should have done. And then number four, intercession. It has, intercession has been referred to as prayer with names on it. Intercession, prayer with names on it. Moses was known as a great intercessor with God's people. He interceded for his sister Miriam. Remember when Miriam rebelled against him along with Aaron? And the very fact that she got leprosy could suggest that she was the instigator of the whole thing. And what happened? God struck her with leprosy. What did Moses do? Did he say, uh, look at that. You deserve it, older sister. No. He immediately went and interceded for her. And God recognized that. Are we interceding for one another? Well, what does that take? You got to know the other person. You have to know what's, what's they're going through, what the problems they are. We, we need to get into one another's lives instead of just standing back and just kind of brushing them off. We need to intercede for one another. Our Lord Jesus continues daily right now to intercede for those that have put their faith and trust in him at the Father's side. We read about that in Hebrews 7.25. Wherefore, it says, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Are you glad right now that the Lord Jesus is in heaven praying for you? See, you cannot truthfully say, no one ever prays for me. You can't, because the Lord Jesus prays for you. First of all, he wants you to be saved, to confess your sins and to receive him as your Savior. And then he continues to pray on our behalf to the Father. You know, many, many years ago, how many here remember Sid and Julie Zollinger? Okay, two, okay. Sid and Julie. Sid always sat in the very, very back. <laughs> that was his spot, right in the very back corner. And um, when he passed on, I took over that spot because I wanted to be like Sid. <laughs> but you know, I went to their house, and there they were sitting in the chair. And Julie, she had a whole stack of three by five cards. And I was asking, I said, What are those? And she went thumb through them, and she pulled out the one with my name on it. She said, this is the name of everybody here at this church. I pray for you guys every day. Whoa. She interceded for us, the, everybody at the church, every day. We need to do that for one another. Another need that the Lord asked us to pray for and that is workers to enter into his harvest. We read about that in Matthew 9, 37, and 38. We have a choice, as we read in Luke 18, 1. We can either pray or we can faint or give up. 
Spiritual issues are important, such as asking for understanding of God's word. We read about that in Psalm 119.34. I wish I had time to go over these, but I've only got five more minutes, so. <clears throat> also, seeking deliverance from sins or oppression from man. You getting, you getting hassled at work? Go to the Lord. Intercede for that person. Um, since God knows every sparrow that falls to the ground, I, I like what, I think it was Ironside that said that God attends the funeral of every sparrow that falls to the ground. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. But since he knows that, and he has numbered the hairs of our head. Now, it doesn't mean that, well, Dave, you've got a lot fewer than before, but this is how many numbers of hair. No, no, no. When you number something, you put a number on that particular item. When I number my pages here, I've got page number three and whatever. When he numbers our hair, that means every hair has a number. It's a little bit different than just knowing how many hairs we have. And you think, would God be that concerned about me? Yes. That's how concerned he is about you. So, finally, conditions for prayer. Prayer must be according to truth. In scripture, we can confidently expect God to respond to our prayers. God accepts the humble and the contrite spirit. He doesn't like the demanding and complaining heart. We read about that in Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God, says, are a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Pride and arrogance in any form is exceedingly offensive to him. 1 Samuel 2, 3. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. And prayer must be in Jesus' name. We read about that in John chapter 14 and verse 13. No one can come to God except through him. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one could come to the Father but by me. Now, Jesus can't lie. And so that's why we can only come to God through Jesus' name. And then also, we're supposed to come boldly into his presence. In Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. Answers to prayer. We must, must remember that God answers prayer God's answers to prayer come in many, several ways. First of all, it could be a direct answer. We uh, are seen in uh, Peter when he was released from prison in Acts chapter 12 when the, all the saints prayed for him and he was released. Or Elijah when he prayed to the Lord, you know, stop the rain and then start the rain. Those were answers to prayer, direct answers. There's delayed answers to prayer might be illustrated by the, the prayers of millions of believers for the Lord Jesus to return. Are we praying for the Lord to return? Good. We're supposed to. And God will come 
in answers to our prayers. Some people say, well, no, he won't come until the last person that gets saved. Well, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know about that. I do know one thing, that he will come, the Bible says, in answer to our prayers. So part of our prayer life should be, Lord, come quickly. And then, difference, there's a different answer uh, in prayer. And it's, all, it's an opportunity for God's best to replace our requests. Sometimes we think, oh, this is, you know, Lord, answer our prayer in this way. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to answer it in a different way. It's going to be a lot better. A lot better. Um, the Lord, remember, remember Paul prayed to the Lord three times? Lord, remove this thorn. And the Lord said, uh, no, I've got something better. My grace is sufficient for you. So his answer to prayer was a lot better than what Paul was asking for. Um, for example, okay, the next one, we're out of time. Denied answer to prayer. Uh, Elijah, <laughs> he was so de despondent and depressed, he says, Lord, kill me right now. The Lord didn't answer that prayer. And we're thankful for that. Um, the disciples, remember? The disciples were shunned by the Samaritans, and what did they tell the Lord Jesus? Lord, send down fire from heaven and just nuke them. Just burn them all up. And the Lord, no, because I came to seek and to save those who are lost. And then finally, damaging prayers. Well, Israel prayed for a king. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and finally said, okay, I'll give you a king. And it was the worst thing that could have happened. They, had, they got Saul. So in conclusion, whatever our need is, we must first bring it to the Lord who asks us to cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us, 1 Peter 5, 7. We need to be prayer conditioned at this church. We need to be prayer conditioned. If we want to see God working mightily in our midst, we need to be people of prayer. And finally, please, and I, and I speak to myself, don't wait until tragedy strikes before you finally come to the Lord in prayer. Some people don't pray until all of a sudden they discover from the doctor that they got cancer or a loved one, something has happened to them or, or something like that, or I lost my job. Okay, I'm going to start to pray right now. No, be a person of prayer, and the Lord will greatly bless us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for the demonstration of your love in sending him from your very side to come down to this earth, to die on a cross, to have put on him all the penalty of all of our sins, and for him to pay that horrible cost when he shed his blood, and it's the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ 
that cleanses our sins. Father, I do not know of everybody in this room's heart. And so, Father, you do. If there's anyone here who has never come to you and admitted to you that they're a sinner, that they're lost, that they deserve to spend the rest of eternity separated from you in a place that you created for only Satan and his angels, but yet, Father, those that reject your offer of salvation will spend the rest of eternity. Oh, Father, may we in our own hearts understand what eternity really means. It never, never ends. Father, we pray for those in the Sunday school, all those young ones that have still not made their decision to come to Christ because of their, they're so young. We pray, Father, that your spirit will even now work in their hearts to make them realize that they need Christ as their Savior. And Father, for the rest of us, we pray that we will come into your presence with praise and thanksgiving and that we'll come together and pray that you will open up the windows of heaven and bless us with your blessing. Father, we come to you with the realization of our helplessness and our need for your guidance. So be with us today, Father. If anything that was said just now that was of the flesh, Father, please block it out of our minds. But those things that your spirit has shown us, that we'll remember those things. And Father, be with the Sunday School group now as we go and have a good time in the park. So we just commend ourselves to you now in your son's worthy in his precious name. Amen.